Hey everyone, this is Daquan. I wanted to apologize for my audio quality on this particular episode. Uh, for once, this is actually Brian coming through clearly, and mine's actually problematic due to some technical issues. I cleaned it up as best I could, but it may not be our typical quality, so I'm apologizing for that up front. But hopefully, this won't be a problem again, because I think we know what it is. I think this episode, we have a lot of great stuff to cover. As a matter of fact, we actually had to cut some things because there were so many things to talk about. So I hopeful, I'm hopeful that this is still just as enjoyable for you and that you appreciate the show. So let's get into it. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 154 of Color of Magic, a Magic and Gaming Podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Jaquan Watson, and for 154 episodes, still got my main man, Brian Allen, riding shotgun. How's it going, dude? Going pretty good. How about you? You know, things aren't bad. It's it's oddly already starting to get kind of cool here at night. So oh, God. Good. Yeah, we're getting cold air, cold, like, honestly, and cold by, like, you know, my terrible Texas standards, but, I mean, at night, it's been, like, right around 50 degrees already, which means, like, winter's gonna be coming, you know what I mean, like, so, I'm, I'm keeping an eye out on that, but otherwise, it's 90, all, or above 90, all, yesterday, I think, or, I think today, it's probably, like, the official first day of fall, it's about 96 degrees outside. Oh man, I feel I do feel for you legitly. I'm not even just like messing with you because like normally I run a fan at night and it's been cold in my room with the fan on. So I'm just like, yeah, I I got to be careful now. And of course, Momo being older is somehow still cold all the time because <laughs> the thing that happens to older people apparently. You know what's funny, man. I remember when I was younger and people used to say that and joke about it in like sitcoms and stuff. But then as I get older, and I'm like, man, old people really do get cold, don't they? They, they do. <laughs> and it's one of those weird things as a kid, you don't really get it. But as you get older, and you're just like, oh, man, that is real. That's just too funny. But yeah, no, things are good. Uh, I have some stuff coming down the pipe with some content things that are great. Working on a few things. Uh, just just things in the pipe, you know, like staying busy, which is good. So I, I don't have any any complaints in this neck of the woods. Even my two new kittens are healthy and running around fighting each other 24-7. So, things are good. Yep, our, our fur baby is, is doing well. Man, we you know what? This week's episode, we've got some kind of heavy stuff to cover in a couple things. We do. It so, is one of those. Some, some weeks, we were not sure how we're going to put it together. Some weeks, like, okay, stuff's getting cut. We just ain't going to be able to get to everything. Yeah, literally, we had to cut a couple big things this week. Just because there's a lot to talk about. So before we hop into that, be sure to go check out cardsphere.com. They're a great website, great people. Literally, you can name your price for cards you want to buy or something. Matter of fact, I just wanted some cards of the day, and I just went, all right, I'm willing to pay this much for them. And then I have two cards coming in the mail from two different people. They'll probably actually they'll probably be in the mail today or tomorrow. I hadn't checked mail today. So yeah, it's really that simple. You know, and I probably saved like a buck fifty to two dollars on each card. So just go on, go check it out. They're worth it, and they've been supporting our show since we were nobodies. I mean, we're still like nobodies, but we're less of nobodies. We're like still <laughs> somebodies, right? So you know, go Jesse Jackson told me I am somebody. So. Well, I, I, I don't know. That, that's a dubious statement from that. Dude. <laughs> 
Like, he's the type of dude that literally could tell me sky is blue, and I'd be like, ah, let me go check real quick. <laughs> but yeah, go check them out. Cardsphere.com. They're great folks. And then, if you want to support the show directly, you can go over to patreon.com slash color of magic, where you can be a supporter just like Elliot Scott, who's been supporting us forever. So thank you, Elliot, for coming on board and being a longtime supporter of the show. And then finally, go over to colorofmtg.com slash shop, and you can pick up some tokens and playmats with our lovely likenesses and our logos, and you can support the show wherever you go. And now, that brings us to the soapbox. And you know, this week, this isn't really a rant, as much as it is <laughs> just a, like, a PSA of sorts. But for all the people that go to creators and say, oh, well, you should be doing this if you want to keep me. Or this is going to chase people away because of X, Y, Z. Or you should change your content into whatever, whatever. You don't really get it. The truth is that person is making the type of content they want to make. If it's not for you, kick rocks, right? There's plenty of other content out there. Like, there are several people I watch that I'm like, this isn't my ideal viewing experience, but I can either choose to continue watching them and just get used to what they present, or I can just go watch somebody else. The internet's a very big place. YouTube literally has millions of different creators. Like, you can go find something. Hell, Twitch even has, what, a couple hundred thousand? So, like, you can go find somebody there, too, right? You don't have to sit through this person's stuff. Like, by you making that statement, you're basically telling them that they're doing so many things right that you can't pull yourself away. You just wish they would change this one thing so it would cater to you. And if they don't change, you're obviously not going anywhere. If you were, you wouldn't even have just sent them a thing. Like, what's the point? And they're dealing with, hell, sometimes thousands of other people other than you. And at the end of the day, they probably don't care. And I know that sounds harsh, but like I've told people up front, I am not, like I've had people say, oh, you can do this, this, and this, and you'll get this many more views. Okay, cool, but I'm not trying to get every viewer and every listener because I know what comes with that. I've run a business where you have to deal with the public and every random person walking in and whatever, and like, I'm not trying to have that in a digital space. And it's eight times worse in digital space. You know, I'm trying to develop a specific type of community, people that are passionate, people that are helpful, people that are community minded, people that want to move things forward, people that want to be positive. Like, that's what I'm creating and building. And the fact that I look around at other creators that are listening to all this garbage and trying to follow all these people and stressing out because they're trying to make their content into something they don't like or don't want to do. Or, heaven forbid, you know, them complaining about every single stream or all the people in their Discord or whatever, and I don't have those problems, it's because I've cultivated the group that I can look around, and if I don't check in on my Discord that day and somebody had an issue, I know other people were reaching out. I know other people are answering questions for them. When I'm doing a live stream and new people come by, people are popping in and sharing resources and stuff. Hell, somebody wanted help with something, they didn't have the channel points, somebody's like, hey, they can just have some of mine, here you go. Right? That's the community I want. So most of us aren't out here trying to get every single one. 
We know it's a big pool. We know there's going to be more people. We're not desperate enough to fight for every single person. There ain't nothing good that's going to come from that, other than just stress and hate. Like, most of us that are good and are in it for a long run, we're following a plan and things are working. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying, like, hey, I didn't prefer this video or this thing for this reason. Like, yeah, go ahead. Express your displeasure or whatever. Do it in a nice way. But, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we like hearing the feedback because we don't know unless somebody says something. But when you're actively trying to get somebody to just change their identity or change their brand to placate you, that's just silly. Like, there's other people that I almost guarantee in nearly every single space at this point, somebody is creating content that's going to be closer to what you like. Just go watch it. Don't And not only that, if somebody tells you no or they don't care, or they don't, you don't have to send them a message every single stream. Or comment on every single YouTube video. Because one, you're probably just going to end up banned or hidden from channel anyway. But the other is, you're just telling the person that you still are going to hang around and watch no matter what they do. Seriously. Alright, I'm done. I'm going to pass it over and give it to you, Brian. Alright, uh, the uh, WWE Crown Jewel pay-per-view is apparently coming up, and it's looking like we might have a a potential Logan Paul title, or at least the possibility of a Logan Paul title reign. And people, obviously, in the wrestling community feel some kind of way about that. I'm hearing, uh, you know, the David Arquette, I guess, is always the go-to when, somebody talk, when you talk about a celebrity that got the world title it probably shouldn't have but thing is funny i think people thought this kind of stuff was going away when vince mcmahon went away and you had to know triple h or something with that because i never believed vince mcmahon really knew who logan paul was honestly somebody is, is recently i think it's five or ten triple h didn't really know who logan paul was like, that was new. That came up in there, and he was on uh, the Impulsive podcast. And he even said that. It's like, when they brought you on, I didn't know who you were. I went and watched some YouTube videos. <laughs> but, but I'm like, here's my... I, I know, people are probably going Logan Paul in wrestling. I'm going to be real, y'all. If you ain't seen him wrestle... Yeah, he's not a David Arquette. He actually is very good at this. Yeah, but dude, like... He literally put in months' worth of effort before his WrestleMania match or whatever. Like, there is footage of him literally, like, taking bump after bump after bump to just try to get, like, the simplest thing right. And him and The Miz and a couple other dudes, I mean, we're in there training every day. So, like, credit to Logan Paul. Like, for, for all the other stuff I may or may not like about the dude, I can't talk about his work ethic. Like, he really put in time. Yeah, now from a purely, you know, product standpoint, should, should he probably be the one that ends for Reigns? It would be, a, I think, an, an almost three-year title reign. Obviously, probably not. There are no less than five people that I think WWE fans would rather see get that shot ahead of him. But in terms of the media attention they're going to get, there probably isn't anybody better. And, and again, they may not do it. He may just go out there, put on a good match, and totally get shellacked at the end. There's no telling. See, that's sort of where I'm at, right? I, there, I'm torn, right? Because the Saudi Arabia show, this is what, the third year in a row? Fourth year in a row, I think we've done the shows. And 
historically we don't do big title change. I think we did do the one bad Goldberg one or whatever, yeah. which nobody liked. But yeah, yeah exactly. That's the right reaction. Everybody's like, <laughs> right. like outside. Well, of that, a case where both Goldberg and Undertaker should have been put out to pasture five years before that easily. Honestly, I thought he was going to kill the Undertaker. Yeah, I like he, he tried to pick him up for like a I think it was a jackhammer or whatever. And dude, I literally was like, they're gonna die. Like I literally said that out loud. Yeah, like I mean, he did almost kill Bret Hart with you know with the kick. So also it's... true. So yeah, I don't think they're gonna do a title change, just because they traditionally don't do that there. Also, right now it's like uh, you have a few other people that have kind of been next in line that you need to push. But, you know, the thing is, they usually kind of phone those shows in. They're almost like the tribute to the troops that they do, where yeah. no storylines really get advanced, nothing, especially it. But Clash of the Castle, you know, was one of those kind of shows, and it was really good. The thing about Clash of the Castle, though, is that was like ten years in the making. Like they've been trying to get back and do a big show over there, a big pay per view level, and like. So, like, you had to shell out or it was just going to be bad with all the press it was getting. So, like, and that's kind of the thing here, right? The PR side of it is humongous, right? If Logan Paul wins, you know you are literally everywhere for the next at least three days worth of press. Every If you are remotely a sports talk show or you talk about social media personalities or whatever, everywhere. Right, all the wrestling fans are going to talk about it. Doesn't matter what brand you follow. Like, so I get it if they do. But then there's also the other aspect: is Reigns is already sort of becoming a part-time champion. You probably don't want to give the belt to somebody else who's going to be a part-time champion, unless behind the scenes they've gotten, I guess, an agreement that Logan Paul will at least be on one show a week, which. Because of Pat McAfee, we have the blueprint on how to do that, right? So, of course, I guess you could also do. We need the champion every week. I guess is the, another question we got to ask. Uh, I think you benefit more than less by having that. Even if he's not wrestling, I think just having because look at the difference of how people treated Lesnar in these last couple of runs when Lesnar was showing up every week versus uh, he might be here once every two or three weeks building up to a pay-per-view match in two months or whatever, right? Like it sold more tickets and it got people reinvigorated because it's kind yeah. of rough right now. Like you built up this huge character in Roman Reigns and there's audiences that show up to like a SmackDown show and you just don't see them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's kind of tough. But it definitely, I think, does something for the the Intercontinental and U.S. champions because hey, they're they're you're actually going to see these people defend the title on a regular basis. Oh, dude, Lashley has defended I think every week since he won it. Yeah, like one hundred percent. Dude is workhorse in it. Plus house shows. <laughs> like, so credit to him. But yeah, Logan Paul, like one of those internet personalities that I think is finding a way to do a lot, man. And credit he is. He's everywhere. Yeah, and him and uh, KSI, I think, have like a sports drink brand or something now. It would not surprise me. It's apparently doing well. It might Is it called Prime? Maybe that's theirs? I don't know. But they're making money on that now, apparently. Just had a new flavor launch or something. So, yeah, credit to these guys. They're killing it. You know, I, I'd love to be in their shoes to be able to even make that decision or have that opportunity, truthfully. Hey, uh, keep going. How, yeah, I don't know how we get it, but WWE, if you ever need a replacement, 
you know, Power Dragon versus Roman Reigns. I, I'm not saying all that, but I'm saying, hey, if Pat McAfee don't want to be back in the booth, I, I can talk. Like, put me on. Like, I got literally 30 years of wrestling history. Like, let me in. <laughs> like, we can do this. Oh, man. All right. Well, our other favorite time of the year, because, you know, here it is. We got to talk about what cool stuff is coming up. What did we learn? What did we find out? Why don't we tell people, Brian? All right. This is a kind of a, a mind blowing when the people are talking about the guy that caught Aaron Judge's 60th home run ball just just gave it to him. Just, you know, had to say, hey, hand it over. Here, here you go. Here's your baseball, sir. Now, I think he is going to get a meet and greet, four signed balls, and a signed bat. But if he were to take that to auction, they're estimating it would have gone from anywhere from low end 50000 up potentially all the way to 500000 depending, I guess, on how the rest of the home run chase shakes out. So that's uh, – and the kid's apparently only about 20 years old. Can, can you imagine being 20-some-odd years old just, hey – Here's your half a million dollar baseball back, sir. I mean, uh, that's tough, man. That's tough. Because I'm aware of the situation. And, like, there's going to be more home runs. So your ball is going to be getting devalued every day. But, man, if you'd have caught me when I was in my 20s, I don't know if I would have given it back. Like, yeah, when I first heard, I'm like, hey, you know, this guy's probably 50 or 60. He's a lifelong Yankees fan. And, hey, he's probably – already reason because let's be honest you don't even get especially a game these this set of yankee games i don't even want to think about what even a nosebleed seat ticket yeah. costs for all i know the, the the guy's family may already have money i don't know yeah i guess that's it too right depending on on your personal history or where you're at like maybe like it's tough because like you know again I, I think if if it's the home run ball the, or the one that ties it you know, or the record breaker or whatever he finally finishes at, right? Let's say he finishes at 70, 75, whatever. Those three balls are probably going to be worth the most. Yeah. Right. The others, they will have value because it's still going to end up being a historic year one way or the other, but not as much, you know, now I do think if you get the last one he has of the season, that yeah, one, the last one, if it, the record breaker, oh my God, if he does end up breaking the record breaker, I think it's still going to be worth a bunch. Right. So I don't know. I, I think me, I would have given it back current me, but I'm 90% sure there's a spot in my twenties where I'm scraping by trying to make the business work, you know, all that stuff that I might've been like, yo, I, even if I just get like 30,000 for this, like that's going to solve a lot of problems. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like just being real about it. Like I, Ooh, I've had a hard time throwing. Keeping in mind, you know, forty or fifty thousand dollars to Aaron Judge is essentially like ten dollars to the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. For him, it's sentimental value, right? But golly, like that's tough. I mean, credit to that kid being in his twenty, or you say exactly twenty, right, and being able to hand it back. Like that's that's yeah. They're saying uh, Michael Kessler is twenty years old. Yep. Yeah, that's more mature, I think, than a lot of twenty-year-olds would have been. Like I or or is it? Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, depending on what your situation, because again, I'm assuming this guy's family has money. If I find out he's going to college, paying student loan debts, and uh, and eating ramen noodles, it could be considered a sign of immaturity. Yeah, that's true, right? Like, 
But that's a tough one, though, man. I don't. But I don't I'm going that. to assume that he is at least well enough off to where he didn't even because. I, I think if you're, you know, eating ramen every day, you would immediately think, yeah, we need to cash this in. So I'm I mean, going to assume he must be at I, least comfortable, if not well off. I was a pretty mature guy at 2021. And even then, it would have been hard for me to give that back. Yeah. So I credit to him regardless. But yeah, if it were to go on the half a million end of us, and by the way, it is kind of a wide spectrum. Like it could be worth fifty thousand, it could be worth a half a million, but then collectibles, you know, so much depends on how many home runs he ends up with, and all and a number of other things. Well, yeah, it's like that weird thing, right? If you get anything that's an insert that has numbers, you want to be closer to the first or the end of the run. Those are the ones always worth the most. Like one, two, and three, and you know, let's say it's five hundred, you know, forty or 98, 99, 500 are going to be worth the most. Don't know why, because technically they're all the same, yeah. you know, but for whatever reason, in collectible culture, the higher ones are just worth more. Like, also, it helps that Aaron Judge plays for the Yankees, like the most storied franchise, certainly in baseball, and almost most storied franchise in pro sports. It just, people are going to pay more for it. If Aaron Judge played for the Minnesota Twins, probably wouldn't be as valuable. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. Well, uh, as that's a good human story, I want to tell about a bad human story that I found out about a wonderful little animal this week. Actually, it was late last week that reinforced how bad humans are. And there's this little bitty animal called the Kawaka. It's a Q-U-A-O-K-K-A, I believe is how you spell that. So feel free to go look this up. This is one of the cutest most absurd looking little it's like imagine a kangaroo or a wallaby but it's only like man i don't know barely knee high and looks like it's smiling at you all the time it's like the cutest dumb little animal doesn't have a fear of humans or anything which is great and apparently just being dumb humans we've abused this trust and these animals get all types of beat up abused, used kicked around killed or whatever regularly I'm like, gosh, damn, like even something that looks super cute, we can't leave alone. Like humans are just terrible sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, kawakas, they're just like the funnest looking little animals, man. Never knew they existed until last week. And I was like, doesn't surprise me that I was going to have to find out under bad terms. Like, like, this is like when you look around and just go, this is why we can't have nice things. Right. <laughs> like, seriously. Even animals that's super cute and it looks like it wants to hug you. And people are like, nah, let's kick it in the face. You know, like, gosh damn it. But yeah, Kawakas, you should look them up. They're really cool, really cute. And they are, I believe, are genuinely related to kangaroos and wallabies or whatever. But yeah, just a different little animal. I have no idea how genetics works through evolution. So you get small kangaroos or whatever. I don't know how that works. But yeah, just a cool little thing. I figured I'd put that on people's radar because I didn't know they existed and other people probably didn't either. I first, my first time hearing of them. All right, well, let's get into some actual news topics of the week. And sadly, I have to say that I don't know if any of these are really positive news things this week. Actually, there's one that's at least neutral, so we can at least say that. All right, but anyway, starting with what we got at the top, as Wizards of the Coast has been promoting this uh, cosplay contest for Magic 30, I would say fairly heavily, right? They made sure to call it out a couple of times. There was an announcement, I believe, on Magic.gg of, like, here's all the details. 
for a thing. And I believe they mentioned who the judges were, uh, the prizes for the thing or whatever. And boy, cosplay community was not happy. Uh, actually, not happy is an understatement. Yeah, I <laughs> saw a bunch of this uh, before yeah. <laughs> before we started taping. I, I think I'm. I can say that. Like they were just pissed yeah. off. They they were not happy. And I don't want to bury wizards too much here, but like the reality is, if you can't, it's just it's bad if you're gonna say, okay, we're gonna make sure we're gonna highlight cosplay, we're gonna call it out in our initial announcement, we're gonna make this big thing that we're gonna be getting details together, we're gonna put it out. You put your big announcement out. And you talk about like a whimper when it went out. <laughs> like I mean, it it's it it fell flat like Jello falling off your counter. As Jr. would say, it hit the ground with a resounding thud. <laughs> it wasn't even a thud. It just splattered. Like it was it was rough. I mean, I don't I don't know, man. Now I get why people are upset, right? The prizes are not honestly. I think here's my issue. I think, and I don't, and I don't know this. This is just me speculating. I'm not pointing fingers or saying anybody in charge has done this or whatever. I don't even know who put put it together, to be honest. But it feels like whoever did didn't do enough research on cosplay contests, because I think if you would have looked at any of the major conventions, even stuff like uh, Riot's thing for for like League of Legends and whatever, like they all have cosplay contests and different things. I feel like if you looked at any of them for any of the big conventions or whatever, right. you would have had a template to follow, right? There's this amount of prizes roughly for first place. Sometimes there's gift cards or whatever, you know, and bonus stuff, you know, uh, usually accessories or something from sponsors or whatever. And then there's usually like a second and third place, like runner up, whatever, maybe honorable mention, right? Cause it was really good, but not enough to make it onto the thing. Or we liked one aspect of it, but it wasn't enough homemade parts that, we could give you a real trophy or whatever. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. And then you have your lower divisions because they usually break them into like amateur, whatever they call the middle one and expert or whatever. And then the lower ones, you also have like a first and a second. So there's still something to strive for and some decent prizes that are usually like half to a third of what you would give like the, the expert class or whatever. But in this one, it was like, I believe a $500 gift card to like Joann's or something, I think. No, it's 200. 200. 200. It's not even 500? No, it's 200. I thought it was five for first. It's not. The, oh, the, the one I'm looking at here, Magic 30, that's right? That's even worse. Then. That's even worse. It's 200 Joann Fabric gift card. So that's a tough one, right? And then two three day badges to an upcoming event and one hotel room for the for the event. Yeah. That's what yeah, I think it could just be better. Like now that's way better. better. I will say Wizards has usually been decent about responding to stuff like this. This is one of those things where nobody's happy. Like, I've literally not seen one person go like, well, you know, the value of the hotel room. There's not even been that. Yeah. Like, there's, just, always, just, there's always that person. You know, it's like, well, you know, but. This has been hard to defend, so pretty much nobody is. Yeah. So I would think Wizards, they're paying attention. We know they have social media presence or whatever. We can expect some news here in the next week or two where they say, like, hey, all right, maybe we should up this. Because let's be honest. For them to give, let's say, 500 cash to first in the expert level or whatever, expert division, maybe second gets 300, third gets 200. And then in the lower divisions, you could do 
200 to first, 100 to second in each of them or whatever, right? That's still not going to break their budget. What is that? Another like $1,500? Not even that much? Like, that seems reasonable. This is, you know, cosplay is really promoting their product. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That doesn't seem crazy, right? Like, that's that's a real, realistic number. I guess by that math, it would have been like 1600 or whatever. But, like, they're going to pay more than that for people to travel out there to ship stuff, whatever. Like, that's a drop in the bucket in general for the event expense and really makes a lot of people happy. Because so, somebody, for, for comparison, posted what League of Legends is doing for theirs. And apparently first prize is 5000 Second place is 2000 Third place is 1000 And there's a fan favorite award that the fans get to vote on for, for an extra 500 apparently. Yeah, and I don't even, I'm not even saying it has to be that high, you know, because I, I do respect that you're like, hey, we're giving you passes to another show, we're paying for our hotel room, and they're like, okay, so those have some value, so I'm okay with that, you know, if your total package for first is in the, like, 2,000-ish range, all right, like, I, we can talk about that, like, that's cool. It'd be, it'd be easier, you know, to give away things to a future event, because again, we're, you know, pre-COVID, we don't yeah. know what pre-COVID, pre-monkeypox, we selling future events just ain't what it used to be. We don't know that the future event's going to happen anymore. That's true. Like, that'd be hell. You win a prize this this next month? Yeah. You don't get to use it for two years? Back in the day, you could, of course, say, yeah, we'll catch you down the line at, at Gen Con, TwitchCon, what have you. We don't know that anymore. Yeah, that's that's tough. So, yeah, I don't know. I I don't hate the idea of that but there's there's got to just be more because because here's the problem like to win in the expert division you're gonna have to spend probably at least three to four hundred just built and not just count not even counting the time i'm talking just cost of supplies and whatever right because you're gonna build the most elaborate thing with actual proper fabrics and getting stuff painted and all this other stuff there's a lot that goes into that I mean, if you add time and whatever, some of the, even on the cheap. That's costumes, on the low end. That's... Yeah. Even on, on the cheap costumes that people build from secondhand stuff, the time alone is probably worth still five, $600. You know, if, and that's again, probably the low end of time on a lot of them. So that, that's the part that makes it tough. But yeah, I have no doubt. You know, we'll be seeing something that comes through the pipe that we'll see an update and we'll, we'll talk about it whenever the update's done. I don't. I don't think there's much more to really speculate on at this point until we see, because there's no way they're going to leave this the same, right? Because with it being in the situation that it is, you'd be setting up a cosplay contest where your best people in the community don't even show up. Yeah. And you don't and want that. Would be a, that would be a bad look. Yeah. You, you want to make it good enough that all the best people that can at least afford to get to the show are willing to show up for it and take a shot at it. Because if nothing else, they want to be seen on that stage, right? Because they know you're going to talk about it. You're going to share pictures on social. It's going to be on the mothership. It's going to be, right? So there's a benefit to them as well. But if there's no chance at getting a reasonable prize, then the PR itself just isn't worth it since they're going to spend probably yeah. six, seven, eight hundred dollars to a grand or whatever just to get there. You know, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. So yeah, it's a tough one. But Hopefully we'll see something get corrected and fixed on this because it was definitely not good on Twitter this week. But the double down on bad news for Wizards is uh, Infinity has not gone well in the previews so far. 
And honestly, I'm not even 100% sure why. Like, some of the stuff people are complaining about, I mean, I got to give Wizards credit. Like, some of the stuff people are complaining about is really nitpicky and silly. It's just like, you know, typical internet outrage. I just need to complain about something. So some of those you kind of have to ignore. But I think where this suffered is the only correlation I have is video games, where something keeps getting pushed back. And then you eventually get it. And no matter how great it is, it just feels like it can't live up to expectations. You know, it's kind of like, what is it? Grand Theft Auto 6. Like, at some point, that's going to see the light of day. And people are going to go. It could be wait. next week, depending on if the person who has the source code is telling well, yeah, yeah, the source pretty, code is telling the truth. That's pretty bad. But the reality, though, on that is, what has that game been? Eight years in the making or something? Like, forever, it feels like. Like there's going to be people that just go like, ah, I don't know what we waited forever for. You know, this isn't that much better than GTA five or the story sucks or whatever. You couldn't have done this in all that time. Right. There's going to be all those complaints. And I think we get used to a cadence on magic releases. We're like, okay, you hear about it. Then it comes out, blah, blah, blah. But in this case, this was part of a big announcement a while ago. Then we heard about it as it was getting close. And I was like, Oh, we have to push this back. And then now those extra, what's going to end up being four to six months, I think didn't do this product any any favors. I think there was just an expectation that got bigger as people kind of talked about it on the side and came up with ideas of what it could be and start talking about the space circus flavor or whatever. And then that, with some really weird mechanics tossed in, sadly, I think has just not, not done well. And it's a little bit surprising seeing how much people don't enjoy it. now admittedly this is all the like vocal minority on the internet like we don't know how it's going to perform in stores yet but so far the early reviews are not great have you actually taken the time to look at any of the previews yet i have and i mean i personally love space bellerin but i i was today years old when i because i thought that none of this stuff was playable in any actual format i did i just found out apparently some of it is i guess can you tell what the distinction is and what's actually Legally playable, I guess, just what's for fun? Uh, yes, yeah, some of them have an acorn hologram sticker thing, and those are going to be legal, and the ones that don't are not legal, or vice versa, okay. something like that. But yeah, there's a marker on them that tells you which ones are. And, it, like, they're only going to be legal in, th- well, the old formats, right? So vintage and legacy for the most part. You will see some of them maybe in a commander game here or there, but that's about it. The thing, though, like where people are complaining about, like Space Bellerin says, okay, you have to choose three sectors for your cards, to your creatures to be in. People are acting like, oh, well, now I have to have all this space and I have to mark off my table. And I'm like, no, you just put A, B, C. Like, it's not that hard to put creatures behind the other creatures. You know, like, it's fine. So that part doesn't bother me, but... I think just, I do believe when you're designing things, you do have to understand that like putting too much awkwardness at one time eventually becomes negative, right? It's cool if it's one or two like new novel ideas and you're kind of bouncing it. Like the last time where they had the contraptions and like some creatures were half of other creatures and you can like make your own thing or whatever. Like, okay, cool. You're kind of carrying this one theme through and we're getting a lot of different permutations of this. And it was kind of neat. But this time it just feels like there's been a lot of random stuff just boom, 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 boom. And I think it's hard for people to kind of wrap their head around it and accept that it's fun as more as like having to overanalyze every single thing. And for a thing that's not really a tournament legal set, because like 
Technically it is, but really most of it's not. You know, so I don't know. I think ultimately this product's still going to be carried by those. Well, we're calling them the Spock Lance, as they are, Space Shock Lance. But honestly, if you haven't seen those, I would recommend going to look. They are gorgeous. I mean, and I'll be the first to tell you, I'm mostly burnt out on full art lands. I think we just have so many of them that unless you're going to do something completely different and unique, I don't care that much, even though the artwork's neat. Like, the ones we got for uh, Kamigawa were kind of cool, right? Because they were done in that, like, traditional old-style woodblock sort of art. And that's pretty neat. Even though they weren't necessarily my thing, I could appreciate the aesthetic of being something completely different people might want to play with. But just giving me more full art lands, I kind of go like, yeah, all right. You know, that's cool. Like, I like the Capenna art for lands a lot, but I just wasn't motivated to use them when I still have, like, foils of the, I don't know, I, of the Theros ones we just did. I have the big constellation mana symbols or whatever. I still have some from, some foil ones from back the last time we did Ravnica or whatever, right? So it's just kind of hard to be motivated by those. But when I saw these, I was like, whoa, people are going to eat it. The these might be... In the future, barring, I don't know, maybe some weird ones that come out in, in a secret layer or something. These could go down to some of the most expensive shock lands. Because they could be people's preference because they are very cool. It's basically like they took planets in our actual solar system as inspiration and did them up so they sort of match the color or style of each of the five mana colors. So it's just really well done. Just really cool. So, if you haven't seen them, check them out. I think that's going to be one of the big selling points and pushes for the set. I think it'll still do all right. In hindsight, I don't think we needed any of these to be tournament legal. Uh, I feel like if we're going to allow something to be tournament legal, it can be different, but not be so different mechanically that it feels awkward. Like, if you just felt the need to put something into a set because it made sense... But you're like, ah, but this is safe enough that this could be an actual magic card. That would make sense. But this whole thing, you know, like you're saying, like Space Bellerin and all this stuff, I, I don't even know why it's even a thing. Which, by the way, he should just have been called Space Chase. Would have been cooler. I think we missed an opportunity. I, don't I like Space Bellerin. Oh, man, Space Chase. I'm all about it. <laughs> like, I think if you do Space Chase, then you got to change the theme and actually have it be a takeoff on Space Ace. I would have been all right with that, though. Especially on the alternate art one. Then you could have talked me into that. So, hey, there's so wizards. So I guess next time we want Space Jays. <laughs> and then I guess it's got to have some form where, like, it switches. It turns into a little kid in the middle of the battle like Space Ace. Yeah, that's true. Hell, we had the the Planeswalkers from, uh, what was it? M, not M20. Maybe it was M19 where they had, like, the origin story. So you had, like, the regular creature on one side and then it flipped to the Planeswalker on the back side. You could do something like that. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I think... After we get through this week of previews or whatever, I think some of it will die down. The set will probably be mostly fine. But I think you it it was very... I, I know, God, we're old, but are we saying, I guess, that's the average age of the Magic player now? They're going to get the Space Bellerin reference? <laughs> no, honestly, I bet we have 10 listeners, tops, that get that reference. That, that, yeah, that's the thing. Because as soon as I saw the art, I'm like, oh, my God, they did Moonraker. Yep. There's a lot of Which even even among you know people that love James Bond, that one's like, well, what the f are y'all doing? But I I actually love Roger Moore era James Bond because it just it's like Infinity. They just went for it. They just yeah, 
Yeah, and, you know, I'll say this for the set, too. There are a lot of, from what I've seen in the artwork and stuff, a lot of subtle references to things, even in the alternate art, which is kind of cool. So there will be things that, like, you're like, oh, this is a callback to, I don't know, like, Buck Rogers or whatever. Yep. But, like, if you're not in a certain demographic, you won't get it. So there's going to be a lot of that that's going to be kind of interesting. But, you know, I, this is also... I was just watching Buck Rogers uh, the other weekend on MeTV. So, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Now, one of the things, too, I think we forget sometimes is projects like Infinity are actually good for designers because they get to try out new things, do things they wouldn't normally get to do, and it probably makes their job less boring. You know, so I also get why a product like this kind of needs to exist, and maybe that's part of the reason you want some of the cards to be tournament legal to increase potential sales on it. So I kind of get it. But I just don't know if this was the best best approach. But I, I'd rather them try than not try, though. You know, that's yeah. the other thing. I We don't know if some of this would ever be accepted or work or whatever until you actually make a card that people can actually put thoughts to or try to play with. And there's stuff, too, that honestly, people are freaking out about things. And once the cards are legal in a month or whatever, they're going to probably go, oh, yeah, this isn't that big a deal. You're like, oh, yeah, this card's not even that strong. Nobody even plays it. You know, there's going to be a lot of that type of stuff, I think, as well. So, yeah, it's it's neat. It's interesting. I will definitely pick up some trying to hunt down the Spock lanes, and they'll be great for opening. So I think those will be fun moments. So you can definitely expect me to have some. But am I looking forward to playing with a lot of it? Not particularly. You know, I've never been a big fan of, like, even from the very beginning, some of them had, like, too many dexterous things going on and, like, weird things worried about like what people are wearing and you know like a little too much for me for for a game set of rules but some people are into it you know and i think it's cool that stuff like this exists for those people too i mean at the end of the day i tell people all the time like even though i'm a fan of a product or a game or whatever i don't have to overly enjoy every iteration of it i mean hell i played a lot of mario brothers some are my favorites some i don't enjoy that much we're just making it all financially impossible to get everything. So you just got to, I guess, just, yeah. if that's your mindset, you're going to have a hard time. And But I think it's also the right choice. When you have such a widespread of wants and needs or whatever, you have to have a bunch of different things out there. Yeah. You know, hell, the best brains we've seen when you're talking about, like, Pokemon or Mario or Sonic or whatever, like, they have, like, 30 iterations of ways you can interact with their brands yeah. even yearly. Yeah, and that's purposeful. Because I love Bluebell. I don't need to eat every flavor. Exactly. Exactly. Which, by the way, side note, I can't get Bluebell up here. Not easily, anyway. So I have to check out local brands. I got to tell you, man, Tillamook is real. Like, there's a. Real a, close to Bluebell. Real close. Oh, it, it, it rivals Bluebell hard. That, that is sacrilege. I know. I know. I mean. Because I looked, uh, and then one day we tried it, and me and the lady both went like, wait a minute. <laughs> right? I guess next you're going to be saying you got a burger chain that's almost as good as Whataburger. I ain't found one of those yet. Okay, that's, yeah. That's, that's hard. Though, I've seen online, people really are pumping this Culver's. And I'm I'm being told I got to really try Culver's. Because honestly... I've heard that too, and I haven't recently been anywhere, I think, that has one of those. I think yeah. I've driven by one before and didn't stop. But now I'm kind of regretting it, because I've seen people that are like, 
loyalists to like Steak and Shake to In and Out to Whataburger, and they're all saying like, "Man, I don't know, Culver's is top tier." And I'm like, "No joke." Like, if all y'all agree, this might be for real. <laughs> like, like, and now it makes me wonder why Culver's ain't just killing it across the country if everybody feels this way about them. Maybe that's why they they've been able to do the controlled, steady growth and keep quality high or something. Yeah. But yeah, I'd I'd be about it if I could get some. But nah, no burger chains. There's I, there's only two ice cream brands up here really. I'm into like Tillamook is good, and there's another one named after I think one of the local a native tribe or something called like Umpqua is what it is, and it's all right. It's not I wouldn't call it like top tier like Blue Metal Tillamook. It's like it's a step down from those, but it's always I don't know how even after it's been in my freezer for like days. I don't need a special scoop to get into it. I can go in with just a spoon and I can take it out every time and it's awesome. So sometimes I concede to that just for like ease of use. Because <laughs> like, sometimes it's just too much hassle to get ice cream out of the container. But that's my life. Anyway, let's talk about a Patreon update. So Brian, whenever we finished the show last week, uh, this would have been a couple days after that. I got a message from patreon and i was like uh oh what's this email about like one of those ones you get right and before you even click it like the title was patreon security discussion in your most recent episode and i was like oh hell <laughs> like, i was like oh i need to take a moment and read this but no it actually comes from a guy over there uh his name is also brian i'm not gonna give his last name because it's not really important how does he spell his name that's important oh he's got it right it's with an i <laughs> okay, then, then, I, then I, I agree what he's about to say then. Okay. But uh, yeah, apparently it's my guess is it sounds like they've just been kind of making the rounds, seeing who's talking about their stuff, whatever, to make sure information's right. And good for them because it is an actual big PR concern for a lot of people. So, you know, getting on top of it and basically said, actually, I'll give you like the short version, but they said they listened to the episode and that we covered the news uh, about their layoffs. Uh, they want to make sure that the proper information's out there because there are a lot of concerns around Patreon security and the longevity of the platform. They don't want to damage that, obviously. And he wanted to share with me a message specifically from their head of engineering and making sure that everybody knows. And apparently the head of engineering put this out on the Patreon creator discord, which I didn't know they had. So now I know, but this is what it says. And this comes from their head of engineering. And I'll just give you like a quick rundown. Okay. But basically, acknowledging there's been discussions over the last few days, obviously, uh, just as point one, there's been no security breach and no incident of any kind in the recent months. As I said, this action wasn't the result of a breach or an incident, nothing external or internal. So stating clearly that this is not because something broke, it's not because something got somebody got into something, there was no data breach, no nothing like that. Then says, we have a wealth of security expertise across our engineering team and many individuals who continue to work on constantly ensuring that all of our systems are secure. Any speculation to the contrary is simply false. We know creators rely on us to run their businesses and we take the security of the data that's entrusted to us very seriously. As anyone working in security and engineering will attest to, to truly have security be a priority, it cannot be the sole responsibility of a security team but security has to be deeply embedded in each team, in particular infrastructure and payments teams. And that's how we operate Patreon. So basically saying there that like, 
that one team didn't have all the security secrets effectively. Like everybody across all their infrastructure has security backgrounds. Do I have main character syndrome if the biggest thing I took away from that is that, hey, they somebody at Patreon listened to our podcast and realized we, we discussed it? Well, we're think, important enough for Patreon to send us a specific message. I don't know. I mean, hey, we're on somebody's radar, right? But he continues saying, we aren't scaling back investment in our security programs. On the contrary, we're planning on expanding our investment in security as we continue to grow based on an evaluation that we conducted over the last few months, we determined that we needed to expand the skill set of the team, which led to the decision to part ways with five teammates. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means they decided those five people weren't completely up to the skills they needed. If they felt, you know, addition by subtraction, get rid of a few folks, and we're just going to build up the knowledge base of these other people, and we're going to be better off. I don't know. But basically saying they felt... The investments they're making in increasing the knowledge for security around the remainder was good without those five people. And that's that's really all it says. I can't take away more than that. That's just the statement. Uh, it does continue and say, per best practices, we can't detail every aspect of our security defense here, obviously, and I don't want to know that information. Mm -hmm. uh, but I can tell you, we use mature security products and payment processors with the highest level of security certification to protect financial data. We regularly perform penetration tests against our own infrastructure, and we work with third parties to certify that we meet or exceed the required security standards and industry best practices. You can rest assured that your data is secure with us, and we apologize for the confusion and stress this has caused for our creators and patrons. So yeah, basically saying they're still doing data tests. They still do their own penetration infrastructure hey, tests. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But it checks all the boxes. Nothing's been broken, so business as usual. And to their credit, honestly, there's been no change in anything so far, it doesn't seem like. Everything still processes fine. You load stuff, it still loads. There's no additional checks or things. Nobody that I've seen reported has had any type of data breach or anything like that. So I don't think anything they're saying is untrue. I mean, whatever happened, they released those people for whatever reasons, and everything else is still functioning fine. And again, in that la in the last week or two, nobody's reported anything weird happening. So it's not like, oh, wait, this happened and that didn't happen before. You know, it's probably because these people got let go. There's been nothing like that. So I have to take that at face value and say that it's totally accurate. Because I would assume if you were a hacker <laughs> or you wanted to. Well, yeah, you know, I'm sure a bunch of hackers took their best shot as soon as that news yeah. hit the Like you would the think so. Some big company says we laid off our security team. If you're one of the bad actors, you're like, whoa, okay. We it's probably have like, yeah, we got 48 hours. Let's go, right? And nothing happened. So I, you got to give them credit for that. Like whatever whatever decision they made, it might have looked bad from the outside with no details, which, you know, lesson in PR. If you're going to make a move like that, you probably want to get out in front of it, you know, make that announcement ahead of time. But hey, all things being said, cool that they reached out and shared the message with us. That is really, because it's not something they had to do, but really cool to get it out there. We were able to share it with all of our listeners. So now everybody knows that, hey, for now, keep using Patreon. Seems like it's fine from the creator side. Seems like it's fine from the patron consumer side. So keep donating to people's Patreons. <laughs> What's that? Keep donating to people's Patreons. Yeah, wait, exactly. wait. Like, nudge, keep, nudge. On, keep on keeping on. Like, 
as of now, until something shows that it's broken or there's been something, like, yeah, seems like everything's just still business as usual. And uh, we got a double dose of Twitch here as well. Double dose? Yeah, both of them not particularly good. One, 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 well, one, one, I guess, kind of. Yeah, it's in a way, ish, yeah. but not bad, right? So, in case you've been unaware of the news around content creation, for whatever reason, recently there's been some people freaking out about gambling being on Twitch. Well, the, the reason apparently was because one big name Twitch streamer apparently developed a gambling problem and started cheating his his viewers and some of his friends, who also included some pretty well known Twitch streamers, out of some money. Is where is what the onus of this. Yeah, but it's like, there's been gambling on Twitch with all kinds of levels of stuff for a while, but it's just like, now that some high-profile people got mad about it, yeah, all of a sudden it's a thing. Pokemon and, and a couple of other yeah. uh, pretty big names. And, and that's the part I, the problem I have with it, right? Like, we've talked about it on the show before. There's literally a laundry list of other issues we need to fix and attack on Twitch. But then, like, this is the one that got attention because a couple of your top-end people feel like they got cheated or swindled by another creator because of gambling, right? And it's just like, all right, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. But after all that, and then, and this was like two weeks worth of stuff going around the internet of people just talking about something, trying to motivate their communities and people trying to send angrygrams to Twitch. And it was all kinds of stuff. But Twitch finally put out an announcement and just said, okay, here's the deal. Anything that involves slots, roulette, or dice games, we're booting off of our platform. Unless... It's legalized here, and then it sounds like legalized in the U.S. and the country that it's broadcast from, from what it sounds like. Which is a pretty big deal, because SWAT, slots especially, is one of their bigger categories. Yeah, so if it's not, you're not going to be able to put that up. They are going to leave stuff like poker and instructional things, you know, that sort of stuff. Because, one, it is still legal in a bunch of places, but... I think there's also a lot of content around that that is actually educational. Because I've seen people, like reviewing old poker tournaments and talking about why plays worked or didn't, or even some big name poker players get on and like do the history of different things or talk about their runs on stuff. And like, that sort of makes sense. So like, it wouldn't make sense to cut all that out because there's not even actual gambling happening as much as it is just like the nature of the, the sport or, or game of poker. Right. So that kind of makes sense. And again, there are a lot of legalized poker sites and anything in a bunch of different countries, so it'd be weird to block that. So I get it. But yeah, all the other stuff, the games of chance effectively going to be gone. And that's kind of the end of it, really. They sort of just said in a nutshell, one announcement, like, hey, this is what we're doing. Everything else is going to be booted. Sucks to be you. And that wasn't. And I, I would say anybody you know that is that is sponsored needs to be disclosing their sponsor, regardless of what kind of really what kind of content you're doing. Yeah, you need to be saying like, hey, if you're playing with house money, same way if you're streaming a game that somebody gave you for free, you need to let your viewers know that so they can understand that you can't really be viewed necessarily as an objective oh, that's, that's source. Mandatory by the FCC now. It's supposed to be, but is there anybody on Twitch actually enforcing it? Uh, it's hard for them because of, unless they know that information, it's when it comes out after the fact. And then yeah. people could legally report you, and then there is an actual issue there. Like, technically, even when you make tweets sharing stuff, like, there's a whole reason you'll see a lot of people add hashtag sponsored, hashtag ad, 
you know, something like that. So people know that like, Hey, I was paid or I did get this thing or whatever. Hell, I put up one yesterday. I said, Hey, yes, I'm sponsored by these people, but y'all need to check this out. Cause this is still worth it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like just being blunt about it. So I get it. I get it. And that's just the nature of the beast. There were just too many bad actors in the early growth of social media that there were a lot of people who did things, bought things, whatever, effectively being manipulated because people weren't speaking up, you know, and saying like, oh, they sponsored this video or they gave me this product for review. Hell, I just watched one from a guy, uh, Harris Heller. Some of you may have watched him on YouTube. There's a new microphone and streamer light from Logitech that just came out. And he was, they sent him some to do a product review. And he even said in his thing toward the end, he's like, look, yes, this is a sponsored video. So I, you take this with whatever weight you want to take it. But here's how I truly feel about this thing. You know, <laughs> So even then where he knows is like, I'm reiterating that this is sponsored, but I'm going to give you my opinion anyway. Right. And that's really what all you can do and just leave people to make it look at what, but I will say, by the way, even if he didn't say it, the new Logitech lights and microphone look good and sound good for okay. real. I will. So, now I will say the microphone's a little pricey. I think it's, it's more expensive than a lot of people need. But their streamer lights, pretty cool, truthfully. But yeah, I think that's actually an okay overall positive announcement from Twitch, really. Uh, it didn't, <laughs> we didn't get to it in a positive way, but I think the outcome was positive, right? We don't yeah. really need gambling on Twitch. I don't think that's really what the site was designed for. I think with the number of impressionable people, and I'm even going to say impressionable children, just impressionable people that are on there. I don't think it's necessarily a good thing. So, yeah, that that's all fine and good. But then we have some other news from Twitch. And this, this is kind of very nuanced. So we're going to have to touch on this from a lot of different directions. But the condensed version, for those of you that haven't been keeping up, is there's going to be a new revenue plan, revenue split for creators on Twitch. And we talked about it before, about Twitch spending too much on the top end streamers they still probably break even or come out slightly ahead if those streamers are taking some amount of time onto other platforms but still appearing on twitch you know that whole thing which i think will be the case for a long time because so far we've seen that even the biggest of streamers when they leave to go to another platform their whole community doesn't go with them right their numbers are definitely down for the first six to nine months while they rebuild on the new platform so it makes sense for them to still go back and forth from Twitch or not to still hold on to that audience and slowly try to move everybody who's willing to move to the new platform. But in that regard, currently Twitch has a 50-50 split on revenue that comes in, mostly from uh, subs to the creator split with the company. But there was a, I don't even know what you call it, some percentage of partners at the top level, they got a 70-30 split. Now, the problem with that is it wasn't consistently applied. Nobody knew what the requirements were to get it. Some people offered it. Some people weren't. Just kind of how it is. Not sure why. That's just the way it was. So they did acknowledge that it was just bad form to not be more transparent about it, not tell people how to acquire it or get into that program, whatever. But what they're going to do moving forward is everybody's going to get 50-50 still, except for that uppermost tier of creators. Those creators will get 70-30 for the first $100,000, which I know that sounds crazy when people are going, well, it's a, still $100,000. Like, you're talking about people that a lot of times are getting 
300 to 400, 500,000 a month. So losing that percentage on potentially up to another 400K a month is a big deal. Like that's a very, that's several tens of thousands of dollars. Like that's real. But they did say that beyond that, you will have a higher ad rate percentage of 55%. So if you do run ads or whatever, you'll likely make up the difference that you would have lost. It's kind of how they're shaping that discussion. And I mean, they're probably right. I haven't sat and done the math hard, but for them to post that publicly and know people are going to pick it apart, like that has to at least be close to accurate or people would have already been killing them for it. And I haven't seen anybody say anything against that. Now, the other reality is this announcement doesn't affect more than 90% of their community. You know, we've talked about it before. To even get in that upper tier, you have to be in like the one-tenth of one percent yeah. or whatever. So most That may be a part of the, the lack of discussion there because it just doesn't affect enough people. Yeah, that's the reality to it, right? Like, I will never, like, because the effort and the dedication I put into Twitch isn't what I put into other things, the most I could ever expect from Twitch is probably like, there's probably a world where I could get to 200, 250 concurrent viewers. I still wouldn't even be coming close to tagging that uppermost tier. So I know I don't have to worry about this announcement. doesn't really change things at all. Now, one of the other things they did do in this announcement, which I would say is a positive, is they are making the threshold to pay out a lot less. So before, you had to wait until your cumulative cumulative payout why is that word such how was it i've never had a hard time saying that before <laughs> i just realized that but anyway your money that saves up in your account gets to a hundred dollars then you can cash it out that next month you know in 30-day cycle so some people were seeing months were like oh i only made like 30 bucks oh, i only made like 50 bucks right well two months go by you still only have 80 dollars in there you can't cash it out well now they're making the threshold down to 50 dollars so now it's going to be a lot easier for more people to cash out regularly, which is kind of cool because yeah. that does obviously going to cost them more money in processing fees or whatever versus just doing the $100 payouts. So granted, it's probably not a ton more dollars and definitely not going to be worse than the money you're saving from that top tier folks. But this is actually pretty cool for, for smaller creators. So I will say they did throw a bone in there, which was kind of nice. I don't really have a problem with that. And then they also talked about they're investing in some other payoffs for streamers, making stuff better for prime subs, community gifting, hype trains, different ad incentives, uh, stuff like that. And they said in doing that over the last few months, they have increased or seen an increase of 27% in streamer revenue per viewer hour. So what they're doing apparently has made streamers more money that are there, at least according to their number. I don't know how to verify that. So I can't speak. One right. other. Like mine has been largely indifferent and doesn't seem mostly affected. They, by assure, us streamers are, they assure us we're making money. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I can't, you know, I, I got nothing. I just, I have to just trust what they're putting out here until something. We told you you were making money to climb. Yeah, exactly. They, they said I am, so I must be right. So yeah, they they and then they go on. You trust the multi-billion dollar corporation in this country? Who can you trust? Yeah, but yeah, they go on. They talk about you know different percentages and prime subs and things like that and what they've been seeing. They also talk about for the first time I've seen that they've said specifically you know the cost that they incur for somebody with 
higher concurrent viewers, stuff like that. You know, because they have said uh, live video costs for a hundred concurrent viewer streamer who streams two hundred hours a month or more is more than a thousand dollars per month is what it costs them. So if somebody's getting at least a hundred concurrent viewers and they're streaming two hundred hours a month on the platform, which is a lot, but some yeah. people do, you know, that costs them a thousand dollars a month is what they're saying. Now, I don't know how many of those people there are. There may only be a thousand of them or something. But enough that they felt like, hey, this is why we need to make adjustments for people with more viewers. And I think that was their justification. Now, after reading the announcement, my thought was, why now? Right? You've got TwitchCon coming up in, I think, a month. I think it's in, in October. And it was a little weird because I'm thinking, like, aren't you just kind of under, like, you're just harming your own efforts, right? Undermining your own stuff by getting everybody upset, riled up, have your top streamers mad about things or whatever. Some people talking about maybe not even making the trip now because they're just disowning Twitch, seeing people over the last 48 hours, talking about, well, if you want to find me, I'm moving my stuff to YouTube or whatever. Seems like bad timing. But then I put more thought into it. And I remembered YouTube put out their big monetization announcement two days ago. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, this is why, right? Because YouTube, now I will say YouTube's announcement was, was pretty extensive. They announced that, and the reason this is important to not just creators, this is for viewers who are even thinking about doing anything in the space. Because one, they still are going to have the YouTube Partner Program. However, if you're in the program, apparently sometime between the end of the year and possibly, I'm assuming, as early as February, there will be, or late as February, there will be a new contract you have to sign for whatever the new specifics are. So we don't know 100% of specifics. They're coming shortly. But they did say that they'll still have the 1,000 subscriber, 4,000 hours watched requirement for the program. However... One of the other things is instead of the 4,000 hours watched, I believe, and don't quote me on this because I'm sure I'm getting it wrong, but something like 100,000 total views or whatever that is, right? There's another number now that's just a view count that if you get that, that can get you in the program as well if you haven't hit your 4,000 hours in a year or whatever. So that's actually kind of cool to have another way to get in because some people do get a lot of views, but they're doing a bunch of really short videos and they just don't add up to like 4,000 hours or whatever. So this is kind of cool that there's another way that you could do that. The other is that on vertical shorts or YouTube shorts, as they call them, you will now be able to get ad revenue a lot easier. Uh, now, we've talked about it before. On TikTok, there are people that get literally millions of views that make like 500 bucks a month. It's just almost nothing over there. But on YouTube, people were making okay money, but there wasn't a clearly defined line on how you get it or where it comes from or whatever. It's just a big shorts fund. They looked at your numbers and then went, hey, we're offering you like $1,000 this month or whatever. You can have it. Go sign up for this and cash out your check. Well, now it's just going to be part of just like ad revenue for those videos. Now, the difference is they normally do a 55-45 split in favor of the creator. This time it's going to be 45-55 with 45 going to the creator. But the cool part of that, though, is that 10% difference is going to be taking care of what they're calling creator music, which is going to be a different investment on their platform. So creators can now use all types of music to make stuff for YouTube and for shorts and not have to worry about all the DMCA crap. Like their solution. Yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, their solution has been, look, 
Because I have to think on their side when you have literally, like, I saw some number the other day that, and I can't remember what, but it was some huge number. Like, I don't know, like 500 or 50,000 minutes worth of stuff is loaded to YouTube every one minute or something. Like, some huge number. Like, just insane. So I'm assuming a big chunk of that does have to go to your legal team dealing with DMCA stuff, copyright claims, you know, all that stuff. So if you just can have a program that eliminates that, I'd imagine almost whatever amount of money it costs you has to be cheaper or at least only marginally more expensive than all the headaches and stuff you deal with, you know, the rest of the time. So this is cool because now it's going to give people a way to use all this music, not have to worry about it. And on the backside, the studios are going to get paid for it. So my understanding is that site is going to have two different things. Like you'll, there'll either just be a thing that goes to your channel and it's just covered as part of their flat fee or whatever, or there will be some that you give like a revenue split with to that label brand, whoever it is, musician that you decide to use. And they'll all be detailed or whatever. But the fact that it's even a thing that exists is going to be great. Also on shorts, you're going to be able to get paid with people using, uh, I believe it's called Super Thanks. Basically, they can just make a donation directly to you because they like your video. And I don't think that's going to have the partner requirement thing, but we don't know yet. But either way, you're going to be able to get paid directly on shorts in addition to the ad revenue. So that's a thing you don't have access to on some of the other stuff as well, which is kind of awesome. And yeah, they just rolled out a bunch of stuff. You know, also making all of those extra things, the Super Thanks, Super Chat, stickers, all that, uh, that's basically like bits and things over on on Twitch or stars if you're on Facebook gaming or whatever. They're going to make that available to more users just across the board, even if you're not in the program to get the ad revenue. So you'll be able to make money on YouTube now, even if you're not in the partner program, from what it sounds like. So that's actually pretty wild. And they even before that had announced you're going to be able to put actual sellable goods and not just like merchandise, but like let's say you have programs or you know, certain files or whatever you want to sell, you don't have to host them on your own site anymore. You can attach them directly to videos and stuff that you're going to be putting up soon. And people can just pay like whatever you're charging, the five or 10 bucks or whatever to download directly. So yeah, YouTube really decided they were going to step up their monetization. I think that's what's driving this announcement from Twitch. Like, competition is good. Yeah. Now, I don't know what this means for TikTok because now like your main competitor is saying like, no, we're just going to pay people and we're going to give them different options to get paid. So I assume TikTok going to have to step up and start paying people. Or- In theory, but I mean, if people, you know, continue doing videos, like you said, getting 10 million views for $500, if people keep doing it, they're not going to step but it up. The thing is for me is we've already seen TikTok creators moving to YouTube. Now they still keep their TikTok presence for now, but they just move to YouTube and put their long form videos and stuff there. And, one of the guys I follow, and I don't know his name, but he does basically like daily animal facts or whatever. Just put out a book too, so good for him. Apparently it sells pretty well on Amazon. But he has his regular YouTube channel where he does long-form videos about each of the animals or the things he's talking about or whatever, which get great views. I am I would not be stunned if he's making five times as much on YouTube as he is on TikTok with each of those getting... Sounds like everybody's doing both of those is making five times as much on YouTube as they yeah, are on TikTok. But he's getting probably half as many views on a YouTube video as he gets on a TikTok, but making way more money. And I think people like that go like, okay, if I could slowly migrate my shorts over to YouTube and they're going to be paying me for them, like they can double down on the content. And then at some point, they're probably just going to quit putting stuff on TikTok. 
unless TikTok comes and says, okay, well, we're going to institute a better program and pay people better, which I have to assume sometime in the next six months has to be the next step. Or are they just, is this just a plan by the Chinese government to continue stealing your information? (laughs) But that's the thing though, right? Like, I mean, Chinese emperor comes to the head of TikTok and says, why are we not getting the American information anymore? I mean, I'm just obviously being overdramatic here, but like, if that's actually what's going on, like you would think you have to do the thing to keep people using it or else you don't get your info. We, right. we say it being dramatic, but they had a TikTok's, I guess, main PR guy on CNN, and they kept asking him, you know, hey, will, will you say definitively nobody in the Chinese government is seeing this data? And he would never give a straight answer to the question. Well, of course not. Like, we know it's a thing. Like, like, I don't know that the average person putting that content on TikTok knows that's a thing. Or right, they, like, I don't know the they government it. almost shut TikTok down because of it already. Like, so that, that says a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's a neat idea. I'll just be curious to see what TikTok comes back with because this was big enough, like I said, that Twitch felt like, okay, we got to say something. Like, we can't, can't just let this slide by. Like, and they did have a couple of small nuggets that do help people. So, like, that's cool. It wasn't like it was all bad news. But, man, YouTube, they're, they're, they're trying to keep, they're trying to take and keep the crown. Right. They're, they're saying, look, we're going to do, now, admittedly, I still think Twitch has the best monetization for live stream content. I think they're still the leaders in that. I think they still have the most, you know, between like the hype train. Because I mean, that's the, uh, the majority of their business. Yeah. The problem they still fail on, and we've talked about this before, is that once you're not live, you're effectively dead on, t- on Twitch. Right? If you're not there, nobody's discovering your thing. Nothing's being pushed out to people. So that's the benefit that YouTube has. Yeah, and, it look, and I, I, at this point, I would say they're okay with that. Like, a, a broadcast network doesn't care if you watch the theater. <laughs> that's, you know, that, that's sure, where they sure. are. But to put it in perspective, I did a live stream. Let me go back and look here. This was on the 17th, so uh, uh, four days ago. I did a stream. At the time, I believe when I got done, I had had 450-ish viewers, 440-something, right? Since then, that video has gone on and made 1,800, almost 1,900 more views. So I did a live stream. It was done, and it got 1,900 more views. And those all generate cash for me when I'm not live, right? And I think that's the part that you just don't get on Twitch. Now, admittedly, my CPM, RPM on my streams are not high, so I didn't make a ton of money. I probably made like another extra 8 or 10 bucks. But it's still money that was made while I wasn't active, you know, and that stream will continue to live. It's still getting views every day because the topic's relevant and whatever, because we talked about how you beat black decks in the current standard. And that's a thing people want to know. So there's still going to be views on it. But if I go do that live stream on Twitch, which I debated, but I would do it on Twitch, unless I get donations, subs, whatever, right then that video makes no money. Whereas I still get all the stuff on YouTube, where people can still subscribe to the channel, I can still get people to donate directly, people that join my YouTube memberships, which is like a sub on Twitch, you know, you can still get all that, and then still get the money from the revenue, right, without having to forcefully remember to do all your ad breaks and everything else, right, it just does that for you, so yeah, it's it's really interesting, honestly, I don't know how, like, until... For me, it's just the discoverability on Twitch, I think, is still going to make it hard for them to compete. That's 
that's the thing that YouTube has that I think is going to make it hard. Like, for somebody to come along and take YouTube off the throne, you have to master the SEO side of it. And that's a insurmountable task just because they are owned by Google, who is yeah. all of SEO. <laughs> like, it just is. If they, if they want to change the way SEO works tomorrow, they can. <laughs> yeah, if they, basically. If that's what they need to do. And people also don't realize that YouTube is the number two search engine on the internet. Yep. Like a, a video site is not even a search engine. It is the number two thing people use to search for things on the internet. We either go to Google for a general thing or for like, ah, I kind of need a demo or whatever. I'm just going to go to YouTube and look up, does somebody know about this? Can somebody show me a demonstration on these lights? Can somebody give me a review on this product? Right? That's all there. So, I mean, I get it. I get why people are moving. And the trick to YouTube, especially as they start bringing more and more things in-house, as a user, it's going to become a more and more convenient experience. Because, like, now I don't have to go to Patreon. I can just be on somebody's YouTube memberships. Or, like, I don't have to go to their special homepage to download whatever seminar, code, product, or whatever it is they have. I can just pay them the five bucks right here on YouTube. Right? I don't have to go and fill out a thing to add money to an account to go buy bits to go do whatever. Oh, it's already hooked up to my Google Pay or whatever. I can just pay them directly on on YouTube. Right? Like this this is YouTube's working on changing it big time. And if they can figure out how to get the live streaming experience even close to what Twitch offers, man, it's gonna be a rough battle for the next two, three years for Twitch. But all right. That brings us to the dinner table. And in this one, I kind of wanted to just ask a question, Brian, because this is something I get asked a lot from average people. Average people. From, I was going to say, from, the, from those the, are, from yeah, the, the mortals that don't have the superpowers. Yeah, that from, from the civilians, if you will. Like, I don't know. Uh, the non-creators. What would you say has been the toughest thing about content creation for you? I think uh, probably going into it with my spouse because I've not usually, also like if I'm doing, you know, for, if I'm writing a column with my editor, I don't have to ask anybody, you know, if, if they like this. If I'm, for, for when I'm doing videos on my own channel, I don't have to ask anybody else. But, you know, when you're wor working with somebody, especially somebody you'd like, you'd like to sleep in the same bed with later, you gotta, you know, Mm, I had to make things work. Yeah, see, my my significant other, like, she if she even comes in the room for a second and realizes I'm on camera, it's you might as well spray skunk spray in the room the fact that she moves. <laughs> like, she she have nothing to do with it. But yeah, I don't know. Like, how often? Like, what difficulties is that? Like, do you have maybe subjects you want to cover that she's not interested in, and vice versa? Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a thing. Or just even the way, because again, on on my channel or when I'm writing my thing, I'm you know it's whatever I want to do to a large extent. I get to do. I don't have to ask anybody else. But you got to do when your work make making content with somebody else. Okay, you have to have to actually obviously you know it's got to work for both of us. Like there may be like there may be times where she's there are things that she may not be comfortable doing on camera. Then, hey, we, we got to get, especially we're going to be on camera at the same time. We got to figure out, hey, a way to make this work where we both look like we know what we're talking about. 
Yeah, I guess so. When you're working with somebody, there's there's definitely some different restrictions that I don't have to consider. Now, how often has that led to you all just like, I don't know, having one of those disagreements or fights where you're like, okay, we both got to walk this off for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah, there's a, uh, there's a couple of videos we ended up not doing because we just it, it wasn't you know it, it just wasn't clicking, and I think that's something that happens you know in the creative process a lot. Like there definitely have been times where I wanted to do a bit or a joke in a play, but it didn't mesh with the hey hey maybe I'm not the star here, and I, and I got to just you know kind of go backward and play my role there's definitely times on our channel where i'm not the star as they say you know working with obviously they say don't work with animals or kids i'm not doing both <laughs> you know, yeah, no, that's no. true <laughs> yeah that, that's true i guess that does create a thing if you're working with somebody else that's definitely going to be some level of of complication because and yeah. and even you know like in y'all's case you obviously love each other you get along great but there's just going to be times where you just disagree yeah you know, and I don't, and I don't think that's avoidable. Yeah. I, I think in a perfect world, a lot of people think, oh no, if I work with my significant other or work with my best friend or whatever, you know, it's going to be the greatest thing. And it's like, nah, sometimes you're just going to have fights. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's just everything clicks and it's magical. Other times it's like we have, so sometimes we'll have two different visions. Sometimes neither one of us really is sure what the vision is yet. And again, if I'm writing my column or I'm, you know, on my channel, I just, kind of figure it out or or maybe i don't figure it out and i just kind of put it out anyway and, and see where it goes but like for a lot of times for example tish might like to have you know hey just some some written down just almost like a run sheet of what we're going to talk about like we like we do for this and sometimes you know especially i'm really just hype full of everything something just happened i'm just ready to turn the camera on start talking you know and, and if it makes sense if it makes sense it makes sense if it doesn't hey i'll film it again later but yeah see i think that's the thing too i guess in y'all's case just because I, I swear to god when she's done in front of the camera most of the time tish is an introvert but you get her on you know get her on the right subject and i mean she'll talk for far longer than i could about something well, yeah and that's sort of what i was getting at right like would y'all have different levels of public speaking practice you know interacting with the public and whatever so i'm sure even that introduces different levels of like you know, each of you trying to show your expertise or whatever and yeah. trying to get the other one to listen. So, like, yeah, I can see how that could be a problem. Because, like, one of our Costco videos, obviously, couponing, shopping for groceries is absolutely her field of expertise. Oh, she's S-tier. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the thing that she wasn't comfortable with is sitting there in the middle of Costco while people are walking around, you know, doing doing their thing, just sitting there talking about Costco and she's like, I just, she's just, I, I just could never do that the way you do it. Yeah. But, but, uh, but on, I couldn't ever do the shopping and, and the couponing the way she does it, because I'll get to a point where I'm just ready to be out of the store. How much does this get? This hot dog is $30. Fine. Sell it to me. I'm tired of standing in this line. Real talk. People like those couponing videos too. Yeah. They do. <laughs> like that's a real, cause thing. I mean, we all, Y'all eat, you know, that's the thing. And they always tell you, like, find something, you know, that find something that appeals to everybody. And we all, you know, try to eat at least once or twice, two or three times a day, you know. Mm hmm. Yeah. Obviously, like I said, since my significant other has a fear of being in ca on camera, that's never an issue for me. And I think that that is, mo I've always said I'm fully aware I'm not wired normally. For most oh, people, 
you know, Jerry Seinfeld has that bit where he talks about how people's number one fear is public speaking. Number two is death. So if you're at a funeral, you're actually better off if you're in the coffin than if you've been asked to perform the eulogy by most people's yep. standard of what they fear the most. For real. I, on the other hand, have a paralyzing fear that nobody will listen to me talk. Dude, the, two, <laughs> the two fears I didn't understand when I was growing up was people being afraid to speak in front of others. Right. And clowns. Like, I Clowns, I get. I don't have it myself, but I get it. I didn't really encounter anybody who was afraid of clowns until I was probably like, maybe around 11-ish, 11 or 12. And up to that point, all I knew about clowns is they save people at the rodeo and they make hamburgers, yeah. right? I yeah. So when I saw people freaked out about clowns, it didn't make sense. And I remember even being in school and people being afraid to speak in front of people or whatever. And it's just like, you know, you had to get up and read something. I just get up and read it and be done. Like, I was proud to just show off I could read the thing or whatever. Right. So it was just one of those things as I got older, I had to learn that like, oh, this is a real thing for people. Like, like I literally have seen people damn near faint, just hyperventilating and whatever. Just the idea of being in front of people is yeah. terrifying. And I'm like, wow, I've never even felt anything close to that. Like, I I tell people, I know I'm wired different. Like, I was not born with an embarrassment gene. Mm. I have never met a stranger. Like, I talk you, you sound like me where you started young. I mean, I remember getting up in church. I've been doing this quite literally since I was three or four years old yeah. i was always the kid you know where where you, you your average your average three or four year old kid you get to the speech easter easter in the air easter easter <laughs> everywhere you know i would get the book of job because they knew i was good at speaking yeah i don't think i ever got that but i've always been the person that like you know i could just walk around and talk to people if we're on the bus i could talk to every person if i'm walking around the mall and somebody has a cool shirt, I'll just go tell them I think their shirt's cool or whatever. Like, And I think because even being younger, I realized that those interactions made people feel good. You know, somebody going like, oh, man, somebody recognized my shirt. And like, I made a real decision to wear this today. That's cool. Right. So I never had a negative reinforcement from that act, that experience. Right. It was always seeing people be positive or friendly and want to talk or whatever. So I remember it being weird when I was younger and my mom explained basically like racism for the first time. Yeah. Like, nah, son, you probably don't want to go talk to them. And I'm like, why not? And I'm like, well, they're not going to want to talk to you. And I'm like, well, why not? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> so I remember that being a thing. That, that, yeah. The, the first time you have that conversation is, yeah. That's, that's, a whole other, that's a whole other dinner table talk. Like for next week, when's the first time? Yeah, we will talk about that. But yeah, for me, the toughest thing really, I think, and this is saying something coming from somebody who's like run a business for a decade and a half, is I think just the time management, you know, because now admittedly, I'm not doing one type of content, right? I've, I've got the podcast, I do streaming, I'm making YouTube videos, I'm doing uh, now consultations for people, occasionally doing commentary or appearing on other people's shows or whatever. And I have to, like, literally, I live by Google Calendar now. Like, when somebody asks, like, hey, can you do this thing? I'm like, let me check. And I pop open Google Calendar and say, like, okay, that time's free. I can do that. Yep. Or how do I schedule this out or whatever? Or, you know, I just recently had somebody at, reach out for me and, like, hey, do you want to do this promotion? I literally have to respond back with, like, what are the details? When do you need it delivered? What platform is it going to be on? You know, when do you need me to put it out? You know, all that type of stuff. And... That is something I don't think people consider. 
And and it's tough for other people because like you're already doing your day job and then you're trying to get into content creation. So you can slowly flip it the other way around. Right. And there's just a lot of time that goes into it. But I think it's like a lot of things that, you know, I've done. And I think maybe for me, that's why it hasn't been so hard. It's just because I've lived through the building of a business situation. Right. Where I had to run events on the weekend and do special after school programs and blah, 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 blah. Right. You kind of just get used to it after a while, but it's just differently applied doing content. Like, you know, there's some days I genuinely barely see planet Earth, you know, because I'm in the studio, you will call it, you know, doing stuff for 10, 12 hours that day. Yeah. Yeah. Hell, I y'all don't know, but I like when we went on the pre-show stuff, I was eating on the microphone talking to Brian because I needed to get food in me before we started. Right. And I've I've done that before too. Yeah, <laughs> so it, was just, just it just comes comes with the territory, you know. So I think for as had, much had as to make a Mickey D's run like right before we did this because yeah. neither me or Tisha had a moment to really break and get food. And I think for as much as we talk about or we see the results or the output of somebody's stuff, you don't necessarily know the journey or the struggles or whatever to get to that point. You know that it does take a lot of time and a lot of effort and giving up a lot of stuff. And, you know, I've, I've had things where tech technically something went wrong and I had to redo it and it's already like midnight, you know, so I didn't go to bed until like two, three in the morning, you know, just trying to make sure I got it corrected because it needed to go up tomorrow, you know, that type of stuff. So, yeah. And I'm not saying this to like scare people off, but you know, people do ask like, what's the toughest part? And I said, really, it's time management because you still have to make time. If you have significant others in your life, if you've got kids, yeah. you know, if you still want to visit family or whatever else you want to do, you've got to find ways to fit all that in. So you're still like emotionally and spiritually satisfied while still building up to whatever your dream goal is with your content. Because if at the end you're just spending all your time on the content and everything else goes to the wayside, you may not even have people who really want to celebrate it with you, yep. you know, and that would suck. So you got to, got to find that balance. But all right, Brian, let's show everybody where they can find you on the social media. All right. I am Brian Sonic on Twitter, uh, YouTube, our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And lots of cool stuff coming down the pipe that hopefully we can talk about soon, but For now, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Remember to take care of yourselves, your family, protect from all the COVID, monkeypox, the flu. I'm sure there's like eight other things out there right now. Won't cook chicken and NyQuil, please. (laughs) Yeah, that's a thing. Gosh, damn, I don't know how that's a thing, but it's a thing. (laughs) But, But yes, remember to be awesome, be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 